Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. I think it has core values to it. I think it knows what it is. And as long as you keep to those core values, you can tweak it and change it and move it as, you know, as life moves on and taste moves on. But if you always remember what it's really about, what it's, the heart of it is, then I think you can survive. If you lose track, if you become, say, obsessed with CGI or stuff like that, or it becomes too violent or it loses its sense of humor or it loses the girls, all that. I think what's handed on from generation to generation is that, that you know you know what you're going to get. You'll get it. It won't repeat itself, but it'll be the same sort of thing. And there's a comfort zone about it that the father can take his children, and they will remember it, and those children will take theirs. So since the recording of our The World Is Not Enough review episodes, we received the sad news, of course, that the director of that film, Michael Apted, had died early in the new year. And we've just got uh, some guests here back on the podcast just to sort of reflect on his career and reflect on the film itself again in the light of his sad death. And of course, two of the guys with me, Harry and Chris, they weren't actually on the review episode. So they'll be giving us their thoughts on the film itself too. Uh, good evening, chaps. Good evening. Good evening. Sad news, obviously, Michael Apted, a very distinguished career in cinema as a film director and a TV director as well. Chris, you've been a fan of him from the start in terms of chronologically the work he did with the Up series on TV. You know, outside of the Bond you know, franchise. He's a very important kind of filmmaker. The fact that he was, he didn't direct Seven Up, but he directed everything, you know, that, that followed. So I think that that series is so important as, well, a document of our time and as well as, I suppose, it, it, it shows his interest in the British class system. And I think that, that, and you can see that in his other work, 
not necessarily in the stuff that he did in in the UK, but some of the stuff that he did in the US later on in his career. I think this this he's, he's very much kind of was always interested in. You know, going to some of his later stuff about you know when he did um, Amazing Grace, that the obviously the William Wilberforce sort of film. Obviously, he's interested in like I mentioned like the, the, not only the class system, but you know the, the of, of history and you know kind of uh, he just he just he's clearly be a, a director of, in, of of intelligence, which is why when he was being kind of when he was announced that he was going to be directing, you know, Pierce Brosnan's third Bond film, I was a bit like, oh, right, oh, okay, that's quite an interesting, quite an interesting choice, uh, given that, you know, apparently I, I I've, I've known him from things like, obviously, The Up, the, the, the documentary series, Gorillas in the Mist, you know, and, and, and Thunderheart, which I think is a kind of a massively kind of underrated film that, uh, that he did with Val Kilmer. But yeah, I, I, I always had tremendous respect for him as, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a filmmaker. You know, he, not all his films are, I suppose there's a, um, when I say that, that, that there's that quiet intelligence, there's something kind of, in all his films, he's trying to say something. And, um, and I think what he did with the, with the World Is Not Enough really does stand out compared to, to the, the you know the work of the other directors you know obviously martin campbell was a fairly maybe not an obvious choice but he was a, a, a relatively safe pair of hands you know having done his background was in action you know he he directed some of the best episodes of the professional you know he did edge of darkness which is this you know amazing kind of this uh, eco thriller so he had a proven track record of, of being able to kind of direct and, and, and edit action together so for them to sort of go with michael apted who's who's let's say he's that catalog isn't not necessarily one you think oh right okay he's definitely one of those directors would get to to a bond but i think is is you know was a fantastic choice you know that obviously he was he'd mentioned that he he was chosen to do the world is not enough because of his work with female actors in his you know with everything from nell and coal miner's daughter and things like that and that shows that he's uh, an actor who gives female characters the time of day and i think that that's where the strength in the world's not enough lies is, is that it ha- isn't there is a, a serious attempt to to give time and depth to female characters and and the you know and the acting across the board you know with with one or two exceptions in that film is of a high standard you know and you can't always say that with a bomb film at, at times you know you can you feel that that people are kind of dialing in um but yeah he's a, he's a great loss enigma another great kind of thriller and obviously a fantastic another fantastic john barry score but yeah a great loss to, to to british and as well as american kind of cinema i think he was obviously chosen for that extra touch i know pierce brosnan didn't have quite the the pull with the producers that daniel craig now has but i think he wanted to get uh, a bit more gritty and a bit more uh, character driven and therefore he was uh, a good choice for that michael Apton. and of course his wife i think we mentioned in the in the episode that his wife is a screenwriter and, he, and she was sort of brought in for some uncredited rewrites, particularly with the female characters. So I think that's certainly weighed in into the final product. Just going in terms of recently, there's been a poll of polls on the Bond Twitter community and uh, the world is not enough came 18th, which is actually quite low. So that's like three quarters of the way down, isn't it really? 
And mm-hmm. John, uh, in the review, again, will champion this film as one of his, I think he's got it in his top five. So there is a growing tendency among Bond fans to to really rate this film. Before, it used to be sort of seen as GoldenEye plus the rest, isn't it? And then Dying of the Day is even worse. Mm-hmm. But I think now it, it does seem to be getting a lot more prominence as his second best film. I think Michael Apted has, has had a lot to do with that. Um, Harry, just going to you now, you've seen Amazing Grace, I assume, but I, I admit we haven't seen an awful lot of Michael Apted's other films. Well, I'm, I'm working it th- through chronologically, and I was thinking that um, The World Is Not Enough will have been the first film that I saw of his, but we did see Nell when we were younger, um, I, my memory of it isn't great, and I'm, it's only retrospectively I'm looking back and realizing that he was, you know, that he was um, directing that. So really, for me, the world is not enough. Is was my entry point for his films, and to really first get to know his name. Um, but even so, I've you know I've since seen uh, Amazing Grace. Um, well, I saw that we saw that at the cinema, didn't we? And that was a wonderful film. Yeah. It's like Chris kind of said, so rooted in in character and um, and people as well, which made you know it wasn't it wasn't um, a glossy film, but nor was it so gritty that it, it it's off putting or anything like that. It was it was it, it, a bit like the world is not enough in in some way. It, it it kind of it's somewhere in the middle and not in a middle of the road kind of way. But it, it he pitches it in a, in a perfect way where he's dressing fairly deep issues but in in um in um an ambitious way that's actually open to an audience you know, i think it was a 12 wasn't it amazing grace it was it's you know it's for that age and i've seen i've seen gorillas in the mist um as well um and i enjoyed that too and again at the heart of it you've got character and as chris has said you know following dan fossey the fe- you know female you know a female story female centric which is really interesting and i think I liked that the world's not enough at the time, and then you know there will have been years of not seeing it. And I'm not on this episode to review it, but I've I've watched it in advance of the review because I'm looking forward to hearing what you guys say. But I can certainly um, what you've said chimes, Tom, in that it's like it's it's like I'm ready for it now. Kind of uh, the world is not enough. I understand it more. I can get to the heart of it more. I can see its values more. And I think all those things come from Michael Apted, actually. Um, it's not from necessarily an amazing set piece that's memorable. It's not necessarily from a, a significant gadget like that, but it's actually from all the things that are very Michael Apted in terms of the character uh, as an ensemble, all the, the the actors, and like Chris said, getting really good performances from the actors. And although that might not have been as striking as GoldenEye at the cinema, you're actually, you are left with a very, very good film with a with a spy at the center of it that's globe trotting and at the same time quite local and uh, based around the, the characters so i think <clears throat> i think you'd have to say all those things come from apted and i'm wondering if he's done it in a way that no other bond director has he's he's been really creative and unique uh, in in the stamp that he's left on the bond franchise when he came on board i know he said well i've never really done an action film never done anything like this before but the mm. good thing with joining the Bond franchise is, you know, there's just a team who've been doing it for decades. So you can just sort of sit back and let them teach you and learn on the job. And I think that might have helped him focus more on the things he was good at, whilst, you know, the second unit can be getting on with the set pieces. 
Uh, of course, he's good. he still has an awful lot to do in setting them up and the editing, the shots with that, because I think he's quite highly involved with the edit too. Yeah, just going back to what you said about his touch, I think in the episode as well, we discussed that Purvis and Wade, they, they needed Rainey in, and I think Apted said as much really, because they perhaps are more ideas men, not the best at actually carrying through to the final script. And I know they had Bruce Fierstein, who was who was accredited as another screenwriter on it, who, of course, helped with the GoldenEye and Tomorrow Never Die strips, uh, scripts. But it's Apted who is the one who's reigning in, like you say, and I think it, it does show. And I think it's it will be a Bond film that, that grows in reputation over time. I was a little bit kind of disappointed with its uh, placings in the, um, you know, those overall rankings. I, th- I'd, I That might have been where I'd have put it pre-revisiting it and doing it for the review. But, yeah, I... I uh... I, I, uh, I, of course, I talk a lot, a lot about it, and we we talk a lot about it in the uh, in the review in terms of it sort of growing on us and finding a new appreciation for it. You know, I, th- I think it's when it came along, it came after two pretty barnstorming action films mm. in Goldeneye and Tomorrow Never Dies, and then it's a bit of a left field field choice, as um, as Chris and Harry have mentioned. You know, if you look at his back catalogue. World is not enough is the odd one out. It's not that the other films are the odd one out. Mm. You know what I mean? But I think it works really well, and I think the end result is one of the strongest female characters that we've seen in a Bond film. You know, up there with with Tracy and and Vesper Lynn, and you know, I, I think Electra King is a fantastic character, brilliantly played, brilliantly yes. casted. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but hats off to to Michael Apted and you know and perhaps his wife and and, and the other scriptwriters have got to give them an, a a bit of credit for it because i think perhaps as an action film it's maybe not as strong as certainly as goldeneye but i think you know as a film and you know we'll talk about brosnan's performance it's it's a strong performance that he gets out of pierce as well and you know so so credit to michael apted chris we- I can't quite remember now where you where you had it in your personal rankings, but I know that you do think well quite highly of it uh, compared to some of the early reputation uh, that it that it had over the first few years. Yeah, I could never understand why it's not more kind of highly regarded because it's yeah. I suppose you could argue it's the kind of slippery slope of having. Um, being part of the story as opposed to, you know, kind of sending him off, Bond off for his kind of mission. But the fact that you've got, it ticks all the boxes in terms of it has that genuine kind of globe trotting vibe. It has a skiing sequence, which is always a bonus in a Bond film. Oh, yeah. You know, it has an interesting, just the setup itself from the, from, from, from the, I remember thinking, being really quite excited by the fact that it was, the reviews before I even saw it, it was like this is the longest pre-credit sequence that, that a Bond film had ever had. And thinking, oh wow, this is obviously there's an attempt to kind of make do something with this. And then and then to have the, just just some really great characters, and you know uh, to have Renard and and, and Electra and kind of it, it's not quite it's not a such a simple story it's not this simple narrative where clearly this is the bad bad guy this is the villain and this is the henchman and this is that you know it does try to sort of throw you off the scent and which i which i i do like i think that it's you know and, and when i think back yeah like what harry said it's not necessarily this this the 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 set pieces that is more memorable i think it's the fact that you've got a, a really interesting female 
protagonist. Bro- Brosnan is, is is genuinely good, and is his portrayal of Bond is probably the darkest portrayal he he gives as Bond as you know as is Bond as hitman as or assassin. You know that he is there to do the dirty work, but you know that that's part you know part of the course for his kind of role. I like that the even down to the way that, that you know kind of some of the edit some of the choices that Apted did were you know the the, the during the action se- sequences the 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 noise of the the, the gunshots are a little bit more, a bit more naturalistic you know it, it seems like the, the, not 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 quite like pop gun but there is there was a kind of it was a kind of pouring back of that fancy kind of you know american action filmmaking where it's like everything every punch sounds like someone's just like hit a piece of meat with a baseball bat or every gunshot sounds like a, an explosion and I, I, I was quite struck by that and that you know you've got russia and you've got it was such an interesting film and i and i i i, I do think it is you know i love golden eye for 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 its faults and for you know and everything because it was for me it was just like a real shot in the arm for obviously for the bomb franchise and there's so much of it works tomorrow never dies i have it, for me is a slightly unsatisfying but to come world is not enough felt like all oh, right okay now now they've found their footing you know that they you know they've really kind of understood what what they, you can do with pierce brosnan they understood what it meant for for bond to be in the 21st century when it comes to female characters and action and his place within, I suppose, action cinema and that kind of thing. So I, I, I honestly, I can't understand why people, why people dismiss it because it has those elements. It's, it feels like, you know, there are, it, there is the, still the spy elements, there's still the action, there's still the intrigue, you know, great performances and attempt to kind of make it a much more rich experience for the viewer whether it's through character or you know the story and i think again i think i think his him as a choice is, is a very bold choice given that you know roger spottiswood who did you know um tomorrow never dies it was an editor so obviously knew a, a kind of action had done a few relatively big hits but they were like a decade prior <laughs> to that with some of the classic yeah so it was kind of for him. It was kind of I always thought that it was he was an odd choice, but kind of made more sense than Michael Apted. But then he went on and did you know he did one of the um, the Narnia films. So it just goes to show that he he was capable of you know doing kind of green screen and 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 kind of big studio you know kind of epics. And I think he just goes to show just what what a versatile filmmaker he was. But I, yeah, I think I think the world is not enough and Golden Eye are definitely high up there not only just for, for, for Piers Brosnan in that period but it just in, in the franchise in general mm. because Goldeneye has sort of given it almost weighted down Dine of the Days made it forgotten as well because everyone was just focused on that and the handover to Casino Real. it's almost as if mm-hmm. well well done enough doesn't matter you know it, all we need to do is forget what happened in Dine of the Day and everything that went before is also ignored so I think it's it's in that difficult middle ground, and ha- Harry. So I was just looking at your your rankings that, that you submitted. I don't know whether you can remember these. <laughs> no, yeah, before, before, before you announce, you know what I'm I will say, say that. No, I've no idea because you know I went through this uh, ranking, and there's some unusual placings on mine, definitely, and probably some that are re- very very unfair. 
Um, and I've since recalculated it and there have been changes based on seeing things more recently. And also, I do want to say, you know, even though it may have come 18th in that that overall list that's being published on Twitter, I'm not saying it is worthy of being 18th, but it's so hard with the Bond films ranking them because, that, you know, there are seven, there are 17 other excellent films. Above, do you know what I mean? That They're all excellent. They're all, these are all really good films that we, that we love on the whole, mostly, apart from maybe the relegation zone. You know, it, it's it's absolutely no disrespect to what's been done with the world is not enough that it's not in the top ten, that it's not in the not not in the top five. There are just certain points it mustn't hit for the majority of fans. So go on, what, where have I where have I put it? Well, you, you had it, it in nineteenth, but I had it there as well, and that both of those places were before we revisited it. So I'm, I, I, it might have gone up in mine. I think it I think it will have gone up in yours by one at least because sitting pretty in sixteenth is die another day. Sitting, uh, uh, what, above it? Yeah, got the over, yeah. Did, oh. Yeah, well, I certainly <laughs> take that back. I think um, I think that will have been, like I've kind of said before, that was based on memory and um, perhaps enjoyability, maybe. Because um, what I think back on Die Another Day in the first half, there are enjoyable moments and it is perhaps one that I could throw on or have on in the background. But I want to return to the point that I said at the start where I now feel much more mature and ready for the likes of The World Is Not Enough. Um, only having re-seen it, have I understood its value. And I, I actually do think it has the, the comfort of being able to be put on a Sunday afternoon. I don't think it lacks any of that. Um, so I was wrong to, uh, to to say that Die Another Day has that over The World Is Not Enough is absolutely outrageous. Yeah, The World Is Not Enough is certainly a better film and a better Bond film than Die Another Day, so... That shows that that list, and certainly my list, <laughs> is nothing to go off. Absolutely nothing to go off. Lists are, they're, they're interesting, and I know that uh, A View to a Trill, don't know his real name, has uh, compiled, I think it's well over 800 people's lists. So that will be interesting for the for the point of there will be some correlation and there must be some kind of yeah. general showings that me, that sort of do have some value. But for the purposes of my own list and your list and everyone here's list, I mean, it's like a top 20, which are interchangeable almost because we do enjoy them. Mm. That's why we're here doing this podcast. Some, of course, we're not as keen on and we have different ones we're not as keen on. It's almost growing up. It was sort of like good at the time because we, we love Pierce Brosnan's Bond. There was a new one out. Let's watch that when it's on cinema and watch it on DVD and maybe watch it again. And then it's like, right, that's it, done now. And it's sort of gone by the wayside of rewatchability in in some ways, like you say, Dying of the Day, because it's so silly and you can just leave your brain at the door in many ways. It's easy to pop on, but the world is not enough demands a bit more of the audience. Yet I do still think it's quite good fun. And I think I think that reputation for being a bit flat and boring that it has it isn't fair on, on a rewatch. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Like I've said, I, I think it is... Um, I... I that rewatchability thing is what I thought Die Another Day might have over The World's Not Enough, but I'm wrong on that, on that, um, because I think The World's Not Enough, although it's, I think that it is complicated in parts, it is something that you can watch fairly casually and enjoy and get into. But I, I, I do think perhaps at the time as well, maybe this is because of the age you're at, you'd watch a Bond film and you'd be looking forward to the next one coming out. You wouldn't you wouldn't spend time soaking up a film so much, like you say. You know, it comes out of the cinema, you get it on video, you watch it a few times, and by that time, the next one's not far off. 
Um, so you don't actually, back then you didn't actually have the time to really stew over a film. And that's what this podcast is giving us the chance to, to stew over them. And uh, The World's Not Enough is one that stews very, very well. Whereas, you know, there are other Bond films that, that you know, the more time you spend on them, the, they fall apart more. But there's absolutely, I think the more time you spend on The World's Not Enough, it actually increases in stature and in respectability, you know, how respectable it is in everything it does. And I, I do think it's, you know, it could quite easily have followed the uh, route, like Chris is saying, you know, after Spot is Wood, you know, just keep getting a, a kind of action director, keep following that pattern, keep it fairly, you know, um, generic. But they picked someone very boldly, they picked Apted, and they, um, in doing so, he has made a mark, his mark on the franchise. He is, he's not done something that, that is the same as all the rest. He, you know, it is, he's left a legacy with the Bond franchise, which is perhaps not something that every Bond director will be able to, to say as much because he has a, he, he has a, you know, signatures, he has stamps and they're, they're not the, the subtle ones, the subtle things. And what he's leaving behind, you get to revisit and unearth gradually. And it's kind of like what we said with the Sean Connery episode. It's sad that you do it in, you know, uh, after you know, after they die, um, but in some ways, it makes me feel even more fond of this film and and drawn to all the effort that's gone into it and the direction that he took it in. It, it glows and it shines um, when you think back on it so fondly, and and you look back on his career um, and how how actually how fortunate we are that someone like that got to do a Bond film in that era of Bond films as well, when things were just a lot of action, 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 action. It was very bold and brave that uh, we got we got him and, and what we're left with is something that is very, very ambitious. And I can only think it will go up and up and up in people's estimations. I don't think it will go down and down and down. Good evening. If you're enjoying Really Double Ocean and Pod, why not follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram? Look us up at really double or seven pot. It was a, you say, left field choice in terms of a British character director doing an action film. I mean, let's be honest, even though the producers were perhaps taking a risk then, They've almost seen that, the, the success of The World Is Not Enough with such a director, and they've actually done it again and again, haven't they? Because arguably Quantum of Solace with Mark Forster, I don't know that he'd done any action before that. And mm. then certainly with Sam Mendes, and I know we do talk about that in the Skyfall episode because <laughs> there are such similarities between these two films in terms of the plot. And again, get... If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you 
you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. I don't know, someone who's got a good reputation in, in that uh, character-driven drama, like uh, Michael Upton and Sam Mendes, you know, not hadn't the phrase goes, <laughs> hadn't so much as d- directed a paper bag of action, then just sort of given this massive film. And I mean, we will argue which which we think is more successful. But just turning to you, Math, there was a sketch. Well, I think it was going around uh, Twitter, and it was the Mr. Bean. Uh, I think it's the first ever episode of Mr. Bean where he's just basically copying. Uh, <laughs> he, he he can't remember. I think he's attempting the wrong uh, question paper. And the guy next to him is really cocky and he's sort of going for it, knows all the answers. And Mr. Bean, the whole sketch is just him finding different ways to copy him. And someone on Twitter had sort of put, <laughs> you know what's coming here. They put the words yes. over, over the guy uh, who was doing the, the test, Michael Apted, and then the guy copying Mr. Bean, they'd put Sam Mendes over. But I, I mean, there is some truth in that, surely, isn't there? I was actually going to. Um going to say and i think we do discuss these things a little bit in the uh, in the episode but and relating it to those rankings again you know this is come 18th and then skyfall is sixth and then casino royale i expect we don't know the winner yet but i think it'll be right up there and i think there are elements that have been taken from both and it, you know it's particularly because of die another day it's been seen that the craig era is like this whole new refreshing incredible so different to the brosnan era but you know just two films before Casino Royale, you've got this really interesting female character who kind of manipulates men. In a, you know, I'm not saying there's like some similarities, a few with like Vesper and and her storyline, and also the motivation being something other than like wanting to conquer the world because you're evil and things like that, which you know I do normally enjoy, but sort of slightly different motivation, particularly from for Renard and and also um, Electra. And then, yeah, Skyfall has a lot of things that are pretty similar to The World Is Not Enough. Yet, The World Is Not Enough scene is just a, I don't know, boring, generic, no, doesn't really work type action film. And, you know, Skyfall's being seen as this great, incredible bond. You know, I don't, I don't know. I think, I think people just absolutely love it and think it's a, not just a really good film, but a really good Bond film. And so... I think it's a little unfair that the world is not enough gets left behind, mm. and those two Craig films get absolutely yeah they get so much love. He went from in the kind of Brosnan period for, for Martin Campbell, who uh, I mentioned before had a background in in kind of action TV and, and, and directing, 
to to Roger Spotswood, who was you know uh, an editor who edited things like for, edited for Sam Peckinpah of all people, uh, and then and then obviously had this sort of you know relative sort of act, soft kind of family action type action adventure career to then go to Michael Apted, who was a I suppose you would he would is the sort of prototype Sam Mendes because he was. Not, 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 not. I don't want to. He, he's not a darling, but he, you know, I'd, I'd come from a background in documentaries in highly regarded, award winning films. <laughs> but, um, and I think that this is, I think this is the problem with what happened when he asked Mendes to come on and, and, and sort of take over that, which was we'll have someone who can sort out the action. Second unit will do all the action. But the problem is, up until World's Not Enough, that was Vic Armstrong. And he's an exceptionally good second unit action director who had, had been, he was Lazenby's stunt double, had been, you know, had, had, had literally gone through the ranks of second unit action through all the Bond films. So when it came to, you know, Casino Royale, which was this kind of, you know, obviously let's get, let, let's get Martin Campbell back, safe pair of hands. He, he understands action. And I think, I think that's, I think that's the thing that, that, Apted did really well is that he was had the confidence to be able to like go right okay and I, I know what we're shooting here and I will give the coverage and we'll be able to edit this seamlessly with the action that that Armstrong is kind of shooting as well but when it came to Enders he was shooting his thing with his you know obviously highly regarded cinematographer and it just didn't match it didn't kind of gel and i think that that, that 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 you have to have an understanding of action even though you are dealing with your your job as the filmmaker or, the, or rather the director day to day is to deal with the actors the setup and everything else that goes with it but you have to have an understanding of how things cut together and i think that's where mendes was kind of lost out but i think that's where apted did understand that and i think that, that he understood filmmaking probably more than mendes obviously he had spent an entire you know he was had like 20 30 years of making television in one form or another or films so understood how to construct something this is what you know skyfall is mendes is fit six film fifth sixth film so there's still that for him he's still learning and I think that, that that what they really need to do is, if, if Bond carries on, is you, you have to choose: do we need to get a prestigious actors director, but then have a really solid second unit director who can do all the action, or someone who actually understands act, you know, kind of both those things? And it just goes to show what a great job Apted did with the world is not enough, which is which takes both is able to be you know a relatively character driven Bond film with great action great set pieces without it feeling kind of thin or cheap you know i think able to balance you know character and it feeling you know it it feels like you know and like harry mentioned before is that what a time to be alive that that, that you would be like oh you know you go to the cinema you watch it get it on video and dvd and then you're like well then the next one's going to come along any day now you know, five, six years in between, it's like, come on, are you just rewatching them over again? So therefore, you do get this kind of, you know, you're wearing your critical hat and think, oh man, it wasn't quite as good as it was. But back then, it was like, we've got a new Bond, so therefore, we're going to have you know a string of Bond films that we can just enjoy. We know there's going to be another one coming soon, and I think that the the uh, the other point I was going to mention is that. 
I think when it comes to kind of great Bond films, I think that could I place another actor in that? And I think when I think of the world is not enough, I could drop Timothy Dalton into that mm. film and it would still work. Or Connery maybe at a stretch because obviously you know it is you know it's, you know decades between them, but I could see Dalton do that film, and I think that's what holds up really well that film. Pierce Brosnan's performance, though, surely is one of the best things in it, as well as his um, chemistry with Sophie Marceau. That a lot of that is to do not just for the actors, but Michael Apted. And I don't know. I mean, he, it's so weird because Sam Mendes' films, other than his Bonds, I think you know they're largely very good, and he is very good with dialogue-heavy acting scenes in inverted commas, show don't tell, and all that, and getting his actors to express themselves because he usually has great actors, doesn't he, to to deal with. Of course, there's some. He does have that in Skyfall, obviously with Javier Bardem and Judi Dench in particular. Yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's a weird one, isn't it? Like if, if you put Daniel Craig in the world is not enough, and it's a different time, isn't it? And it's too complicated to try and even think about that in some respects. But all I do know is is that I can't picture anyone who could have done Bond in this film with this plot better than what Pierce Brosnan does. I think he is. It is, it is definitely. It, you know, because obviously Goldeneye, he had been. It was like he he he. It was the crown he was expecting, wasn't it, for years that he was going mm-hmm. to be a Bond, and obviously it never worked out, and was quite bitter about that. And then it finally happened. So there's a kind of going into it. I imagine him being very excited, but also incredibly nervous. Like what what happened? <laughs> what was yeah, I yeah. getting this wrong? It was a massive success. Great. Tomorrow Never Dies comes out again. It's it's for me. It's not quite as satisfying the, 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 it's still it's still a good bond film yeah but it, it's like oh well I, I i've proven to the you know it's another big hit i've proven to them and then it's the third film for him is like now i can sink my teeth into this and yeah. actually try and do something interesting and kind of show the, the many kind of sides of bond and i think that's where it, they're the bond films that you come back to when you suddenly see when you watch, you think, oh, that's an interesting take. I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't have thought that Bond would have done that or, wow, that's a bit dark or that's, you know, amusing. And that's what's so great about rewatching him is, is being able to sort of pull those out. But I think definitely, I think the world is not enough. His performance is his best as Bond. Not necessarily, I'd argue that maybe GoldenEye is a better Bond film, but it's pretty close, I think. Michael Apted gave his thoughts on the James Bond series just as Skyfall was released back in 2012. As the actor changes, so the series changes. You know, obviously changed from Sean Connery to Roger Moore, then it changed from Roger Moore to Pierce, and then it changed from Pierce to Daniel. And it, it'll keep changing when Daniel quits. You know, there'll be a new Bond and there'll be a new thing. So, I mean, I, I think that's its longevity. You know, it does change if it was the same thing. I don't think it would have survived so long, you know, if they'd stuck to the same set of principles. But this current Bond is almost nothing like the Bond I did, you know, and that's, as you say, less than 14 years ago, you know. It's changed its tone, but I think that's terrific. And then I think the tone will change again. It's pretty tough, isn't it, for someone to to sort of come in like Michael Apted and they're told, sorry, you've got to have this in, you've got to have that in. And the producers required far more essential elements in inverted commas at the time, didn't they, than they do now. Compared to, like, by the time Skyfall came out, Sam Mendes was even able to make decisions such as, 
oh, well, we, we won't have the gun barrel because it doesn't really mix with that opening shot of Bond and I want that in. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. that's, there's no way that at the time, and it's a good job because we get a great gun barrel sequence with Pierce Brosnan for this one. <laughs> but yeah, he he still had, even though he has, still has the constraints of get the locations, get Bond with all these women, and yet try and delve this this a proper dr- dramatic storyline, running through it with twists and turns, deception, who to trust. Well, again, that, that was obviously explored as well in Casino Royale. But he, he does a very good job, and I do... I do know this. I think he was asked back again after this. But as as ever, I think a bit like um, Martin Campbell. It's like, well, I've done you know, I've done Bond now. I've my wings are free. I know I can do it. I'll move on to do something different and I'll do something else. He's left that legacy at the very least of Bond films no longer being sort of strapped by total convention and being mm. allowed to give the film to someone with a bit more oomph in terms of the dramatic scenes without sort of ruining, I keep using this phrase, <laughs> the Daniel Craig films often throw the baby out of the bathwater and they forget what we love about Bond in doing so. But well, it's not enough for me. doesn't do that. Yeah, I think, I th- I think it's, it, like you say, it's, 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 it's having that flexibility within the constraints of this is what Bond is. And I think in the past few films, they've kind of stretched that a little bit too far for maybe not everyone's, you know, agrees with that or, or, or not. But I think with this film was... was him attempting to do something but knowing i've got to hit these marks and and we've got to do this sort of stuff but let's not do it kind of knowingly with a wink you know you know kind of let's just do it and let's just get on with it and 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 at the end of the day it is a bond film i think what he can do what he brought to that was it was i suppose a relative realism and, and a grounded sense to it like you say it's not at, at times the, the the plot is a bit twisty turny but it's not ludicrous no, you know, no. it's not invisible cars it's not mm. all the, all those things that, that that come with it and then that's where for me that's what bonds should do which is that, that that when you go from license to kill uh, sorry living daylights to license to kill it's it's we've we've set it up we've tried to we've molded it to the actor and the time but we're still within that kind of you know the rules of a bond film the next one we can stretch it a little bit, but we still have to fit within those parameters. And I think that, for, for me, that's what makes those films exciting and interesting. Is where you feel that oh right, you can, you can see you can you can imagine those directors arguing, you know, with you know Broccoli and Wilson about I want this to happen, I want Bond to do mm-hmm. this, or I want this female, you know, these characters to the, for this to, to happen. And I think that that's that's what you, you that's what you I suppose until Mendes. That's what you signed up for. There was no final court. You were essentially a hired hand. You would direct the actors. But everyone else, it was that kind of cottage industry where you had often the same editors, occasionally the same cinematographers, you know, same production designers and that kind of thing. And you were kind of came in. It was almost like its own mini kind of studio system. And I think that, that when Mendes came along, him being a, a very acclaimed director that they went okay well this now you can do whatever you want you know you, we can give you that even more leeway even though he doesn't want the gun barrel sequence i, I, <laughs> I can't understand that. you know these are, this is what i'm here to watch this is why you know I, I, i'm watching a bond film is for those kind of those moments yeah and just to link to that I, I like you said you know it was at a time where the directors worked within the parameters within the constraints and the pressures and I just really get the impression from the film that Apted did that so 
uh, with real humility and gracefully, not in any kind of, he doesn't, there's nothing where his direction is pointing back to him and he's not wanting to catch the audience's attention with anything that's craftily directed. The story is very much first, the characters are first. Whereas, so much so that it gets to the point where almost like a good referee is one that you don't notice. It's so well directed that, you know, you're not thinking about the director whilst watching it. And it's, I think for somebody, it ends up being a bit of a shame that because he's not got the recognition that he's deserved. Because in many ways, you know, as we've said, it's as a precursor to Skyfall, you know, you can say the world's not enough is, was ahead of its time and audiences weren't ready for it. Me being one of those, uh, you know, it's only latterly that I've understood it and appreciated the, everything that goes into it. It's really good that we have this chance to recognise what Apted brought to that film that we might not have otherwise um, delved into as much. But, you know, I'm sure the episode ahead will uh, will unpick it a lot more. I just, I, I, I like how anonymous Apted is in the direction in many ways, how invisible he is in the whole thing. It's worth remembering, of course, that even though Skyfall made a billion or whatever, World Is Not Enough was the biggest bond in terms of box office when it came out. It kept getting bigger and bigger, the Brosnan ones. The box office got better and better. And I think he's pretty much the only the only one who's done that in his term. It's more like what you're saying, Harry, is it's more the legacy that seems to have been forgotten compared to Skyfall. Even though Skyfall's only eight years old, its legacy mm. is obviously more intact at the moment. I watched uh, License to Kill for the millionth time recently. One of the things that, that sort of hit me about that was it is a genre action film. There's so much action in it. Yet, John Glenn was able to put a really good character story with not only, obviously, the revenge of Felix and Della, but the Bond and Sanchez one-upmanship, trying to outdo him and you know mm. kill him from within, within just a proper action film. And I think that's something that that's what we want. And I think the world is not enough does that. You know, it's got okay, the action is good. It's not as good as Life of the Kills action, but it's it's got that central beat of a story within an action film. And I think I think that's why it's successful. I think it hits loads of it ticks loads of boxes actually, really. Because I I do agree. I think yeah, maybe some of the action the, the action isn't maybe quite as memorable as, as some of the best Bond films and some of Brosnan's Bond films. But with that story, with those characters, and it's still feeling very much like a James Bond film. It, you know, it ticking the Bond boxes, and I, I do find it. You know, e- even though there's a there's a kind of grit to it, there's a the grounded element. There's you know, sort of quite darker moments and and stuff as, as we've been talking about. I, I still do find it. It's not like a difficult watch. It's not like oh, I've got to get through this or. Oh, this bit's pretty unpleasant. I don't, you know, I'd rather not watch it. As I, I find some to. <laughs> of yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think to to marry all those elements together. I'm not saying it's perfect. I'm, you know, there are. I'm not saying it's a flawless Bond film. When we when we do the review, there are things that we, you know, maybe that we maybe point out could have been better or might, you know, things that don't quite work or or whatever. But it's a, you know, it's not an easy thing to get perfectly right. And I think. As time goes on, I've appreciated this more, and I think I and many others, many many of us, will continue to appreciate this film for for all those things. Thank you, guys, for just sort of bringing a bit more shade on World's Not Enough before we discuss it in depth in our huge review, as ever. But yeah, the sad news of Michael Apted's passing—I don't know—it struck it struck a chord with the Bond community how good a director he was, and it's sad that it, it might have taken that. But I do think before he died in the last 
few years or so, well, there's not enough has been gathering momentum. And we know with, particularly on a Manchester Secret Service, it took decades, didn't it, to get that one really, really appreciated. And now that is regarded as one of the finest Bond films. So who knows in, I don't know, 20, 30 years when there might have been one or two more James Bond films come out by then. Uh, <laughs> well, there's not enough might be uh, in, you know, the top five line on the Manchester's clearly is. Really sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusion Supply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.